All right, let's go to right back, Vinny. Right back, uh, Vinny. Maldini, right back. Maldini, sorry. He played left back. Those lovely notes of Giuseppe Verde, meantime, for another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio, told like it is, and always at the highest level. I'm Frank Cravello, uh, happy to have you guys back with us again, and as always, co-host Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing this evening? Man, with every one of those top five videos, you look more beat and beat and beat and beat, man. It's <laughs> less I need to and pick- less and less sleep that I'm getting. I, I could tell. I could tell. Uh, even my wife, well, we watched the uh, top five la- from the, the last match week, and, and she said, man, he looks tired. And I said, well, they, they, you know how we, we went through this twice. <laughs> so you know. Uh, but, um, but no, how are I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm very, very tired. But, um, uh, yeah, I'm making it through. It's slowly but surely. Last night was rough, but uh, we'll see if I can make it through the podcast today. I'm just trying to see how I can make it through life. I got two two sporting loves, okay? Uh, AC Milan, of course, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I might go and do a Twitter poll, Richard. Which one of these teams is going to put me in the hospital first? So <laughs> seriously, it's just driving me. It's just driving me nuts. And I know we're not going to be talking about, talking too much about American football, but I watched the game last night reluctantly and thought oh, we're going to get it. Yeah, I was the one. <laughs> so. <laughs> 20-point lead at halftime, and they nearly screwed that up. So, uh, but, uh, but yeah, we, you know, they, they, they at least closed out, unlike our Milan. And uh, folks, um, and, and Ronaldo fanboys are probably going to turn this off after a couple of minutes because I got news for you. This is going to be uh, pretty AC Milan-centric, um, and people are going to ask, well, you and Richard are Milanese. <laughs> it's Milan-centric every week. No, it's not. <laughs> so... You know, we, we, we gave Roma their love. We gave Napoli their love. We gave Bologna their love. We're going to spotlight other clubs. This week, we're going to spotlight AC Milan a little bit later in the podcast. If you don't like it, get your own podcast. That's what I say. Our guests. I had the privilege of being their guest last week on the Milan Weekly Pod. You may or may not have heard it. Um, they both hail from Montreal. And uh, they have been gracious enough to join us this evening. Uh we say ciao. They're making their Serie A sit-down debut, each of them. We say ciao to the hosts of Milan Weekly Pod, Stephen Polillo and Vinny Tavernese. Benvenuto. How's it going, boys? Yes, yeah, Steve. The, the voice is coming from the internet oh, machine. Oh, very nice. Very so nice. You should... How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Frank, you guys still... Frank, shouldn't we have said bienvenue since they're in, in Montreal? I, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because Vinny started the Milan pod this week talking French. Radio <laughs> Rossonera <laughs> said they announced the, the new voice in French. So because we are uh, trilingual, no, how many voices? Trilingual. Well, we got the Italian, we got the French, we got the uh, the English, sometimes a bit of a Spanish, sometimes a bit of Calabrese. So, ¿Dónde estás, mi amigo? ¿Dónde está el sanitario? Muy cerveza, bien. You cerveza. see, cerveza. <laughs> we're very, we're well, very international. Well, and, and Richard's a polyglot. He understood all of that. I didn't understand. I understand the, just the English part and some of the Italian stuff. So, um, you know, before we get into this, 
why don't you guys just give us a little background how Milan Weekly Pod came about first and you know first of all and you know maybe even before that you know how you guys became uh, fans of the Rossoneri. Uh, well, I could probably say uh, starting from uh, back in the late 80s, uh, I used to go to my uh, cousin's house and he was a bit older than me and he had uncles from uh, Milan. I was bringing him back all these, uh, these posters and these shirts. I was like, who's this Van Basten guy? Who's this Ruud Hollett guy? And it just from there, right? And I just kept on following from uh, from back that I was probably seven or eight years old and I never, nella gioia, nel dolore, and you know, the good and the bad, I've always been uh, thick and thin. I actually even have a tattoo on my forearm that shows my my my, my veins are uh, black and red, so yeah, I'm uh, through thick and thin, and Steve has his own special story, which is a lot better than mine, Steve. Yeah, so I'm going to give you the, the, we kept mine for the, the end, because mine's more interesting than Vinny's. Obviously. Basically, uh, for me, guys, uh, uh, my father was always uh, a Juventino, so... Uh, uh, he loved Juve, he loved uh, watching them, and uh, for me, uh, he had a sister, uh, my aunt, who was a nun, actually, and she was uh, she was based out of Milano, and uh, she was there for uh, quite a bit of time in her nunhood, if you want to call it, mm-hmm. and uh, one year she sent over a package, and she knew that I was uh, not uh, not an angel. And basically, in this package was, uh, yeah, the Mata Milan jersey with the little scudetto on it, and Love this it. shirt that is uh, to till this day I have not seen it on anybody else. With a little note just saying, "This is for my little devil." Uh, in God's house, there's always room for a little devil, and that's, that's awesome. how I chose Milan. So you see I how it's awesome. better than me. It's a, it, it, well, I, you're both, they're both interesting. I actually, I actually had the lotto uh, with the Mota sponsor on the front, so I, 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 I don't. That shamefully got lost. I don't know what happened to it. But I also had the big red stadium jacket too that the, that they made that they uh, sold on. Uh, God, what was the the the, soc, the 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 soccer catalog that they had way back then? Eurosport, I think it was called. Yeah. You know, and they made that for sale, and I got I I had that too. I just I I have. Um, you know, here, Richard, I'm talking about myself. Um, I I also have that's somewhere normal, I have. What's that? That's, that's normal, he's Frank. Introducing, he's introducing us, and he's talking about himself. You know what? I have a replica. I have a replica of the yellow uh, Milan jersey that they wore uh, for the uh, European Super Cup against Arsenal. Um, and then I have that funny light blue one that had so much business going on. I can't remember when exactly they wore it, but Baggio was playing on Milan at the time. So, yeah, I had my, I had my collection of Milan jerseys through the years as well, but the, the Moto one brings back some memories, that's for sure. So, um, um, great stuff. And, and, and Milan Weekly Pod, how did, this, how did this come about? You guys are now 52 episodes in. Uh, just, you know, tell us how it began. So it began way before uh, Milan Weekly Pod. Uh, Vinny and I would do uh, vlogs on... Uh, a uh, little uh, YouTube channel that we had put together, Red Card Weekly. Uh, we basically talked everything, said, yeah, uh, unfortunately, due to technology and our lack of yeah. uh, editing skills, everything just took so long. Uh, myself having two kids, Richard, welcome to the club. No sleep, kind of very hard to, uh, to edit those types of videos. It was super fun, but uh, really took a lot of time. And uh, we had stopped. We went on a little bit of a hiatus. We started with uh, Milan Club Montreal. And then uh, we wanted to get back into it. And we said, you know what? Let's do the pod uh, podcasting. 
and see how what it takes us. You know, it's not visual. No one gets to see my sexy body online, but uh, they hear uh, Vince's radio voice. And uh, from time to time, I kind of smash the table and try to make it as funny as possible. So. We're trying. We're just definitely trying to capture uh, captured what we used to. Uh, that was what's special about us is like actually seeing us and interacting. And we put up a couple of videos of uh, me and Steve, which uh, he started. They when did you start? Yes. Today, so Instagram, 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 Instagram. social media literate video. Yeah. So we got Instagram. So it just brings us back to those uh, nice little fond memories because our chemistry is, uh, to me, I'm sorry, it's undeniable. Outstanding, yeah, Out- outstanding. And uh, uh, if you want to listen to uh, episode 51, that's the one that I guested on. It was uh, um, it was the greatest Milan Weekly podcast in the history of Milan Weekly podcasts. I, I, you know, just ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I, Again, putting himself over on our behalf. Did you yeah. hear that? Did but you, it's his show now. It Boys, is you're going to see what kind of show this is now. It's all about Frank. No. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. I mean, you know, I had to do it. But no, I had I had so much fun on the pod. Richard, maybe someday they'll have you. I mean, but Richard Richard got to be on Sirius XMFC and got to be on the football show. Um, you know, so I, I, I think I got a, I, I think I got the better end of the deal being able to be on your podcast and uh, you know, than being on Sirius XMFC personally. That's just the way I put it. Well, we will have Richard on as well to compete against Frank. Yeah. So episode 51 with Richard's episode, we'll do a we'll little poll. It. Worlds are colliding. Worlds are colliding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Outstanding. Outstanding. So, well, let, let's jump into the uh, topics that we want to talk about. Now, gentlemen, I do have a little bit of a surprise for you. Um, you okay. did come to be guests on our podcast here on the Serie A Sit Down. You probably thought you were getting away from uh, Il Presidente uh, to do this podcast. Um, in the words of the uh, late John Panette, I say nay nay. Um, I conspired with Presidente and asked him to email me uh, presidential points. So we have, to, on this edition of the Serie Sit Down, we have the limited edition Serie Sit Down presidential points. Hit the sound, <laughs> Richard. <laughs> It is now time for the president's points. <laughs> this is a joke, right? No joke, no joke. President, they wanted to be involved, and we said, "Let's do this." We'll surprise, we'll surprise Stephen <laughs> Denny on this. We, we, we can't get away from this. You know, we just okay. Go ahead, go ahead. But you know what? We we like to wing uh, wing th- uh, stuff. So go right ahead. We like surprises. Go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Presidential point number one: games played abroad. Uh, there is a tug of war right now between La Liga, who wants to have games played in the USA, uh, brokered by Charlie Stilitano of said football show. He's also a Milanisti, guys. Um, and Real Madrid, who categorically refused to do so. Um, Juventus owner uh, Agnelli, on the other hand, is open to the idea for Serie A to do this. Uh, so putting on your Serie A hat and evaluating the pros and cons, would it be a good idea if Serie A would play some official league games abroad in order to mark itself better on the international stage, even if it will anger fans back in the motherland. Uh, Steve, you first. Uh, I say yes. I know it's uh, a little selfish on uh, on my behalf, but uh, the league, more than La Liga, to be very honest, Serie A needs to make some kind of splash. And if they're a pioneer to this and they're going to ruffle some feathers... Uh, it's going to be 
something that's going to be profitable for them in the in the future, right? Uh, I know La Liga and all the the Spaniards uh, and the, the union don't want the, the players to play. Uh, it's going to be unfair. Let's face it, guys. Juve wants to play because, to be very honest, dude, they'll sell out wherever they play. And at at a certain point, I, I hate to admit it, but they'll probably be so, uh, so ahead in the league that it's only beneficial for them to market their brand at this point. So I say yes to that. How about you, Vinny? Well, the way I look at it, there's always two sides to the two sides to the coin, right? The way I see it, yes, it would be a good idea because we need to market Serie A. But the other side of me says, and I'm going to go with this side here, I think of a team, uh, a country like France that hosted 1998, 2000, uh, another World Cup, three major tournaments with a Euro in the past. You know, we've had, what, one World Cup since 1990? And uh, we have a lot of problems in Italy. I think we should be concentrating on making our soccer system better and getting Italy back to the top and, you know, fixing our stadiums, doing what we need to do to better the, the health of uh, Serie A. But the idea of going abroad is a good idea, but I don't think we should be working on our own, uh, our own, especially our stadiums, guys, because it's, it's, it's in shambles everywhere. We've been trying to work on our stadiums since 1990, Vinny. But what do you want to, Steve? You want to go where? You want to go somewhere as San Francisco, make a game? Uh, go fix it. You got to market the brand. You got to market the brand. <laughs> All right, fine. Richard, how about we just let them talk for an hour? We can stay out of the way. How does that sound? I love it. I love it. Just like listening to their pods. Great. <laughs> it's great. Um, you know, so, okay, so Steve, from your point of view, it's important to market the brand, uh, especially Juventus. They'd be keen on doing this. I'd be curious to see if Agnelli is angling to do this for what would be Juventus away matches. I certainly don't think he wants to give up the home matches that, you know, sell out every, pretty much every game. Um the uh, and Vinny, I like your point of view that the infrastructure in Italy is not strong enough yet that you know to maybe do this. Um, that let's let's keep it local and let's 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 promote it locally first and let's make sure that we have a a strong enough you know pro strong the the product is strong just getting a a a higher level of consumership to it. Um, Richard, how do you see this? They both make very, very good points. Um, I look at it kind of siding with Steve in that you should market in the U.S. Because I mean, obviously, the fans of La Liga, well, more importantly, the two big, two big clubs, and although obviously the big clubs in, in England, their their fans are adored here, and there's not as there are several Serie A fans here for sure, but they could the, the brand could grow, and that could grow by playing games over here. Um, thus increasing the revenue, which they can in turn take back and try to help build the infrastructure with the, with the, and the stadiums back home. Um, I personally, in a selfish reason, just like, just like you guys, I'd like to see them here for sure. Uh, but I think it'll, it'll be good for the brand because more teams in Syria will be known other than, you know, I'm sure just, you know, Roma, Milan, Juventus, Inter, and, and Napoli are probably the ones that are known around here. And, and then unless you're Italian, then you're going to know the other clubs. I think by bringing more more of these smaller clubs here as well, or medium-sized clubs, I should say, um, they're going to get more recognized too and get more fans by because of that. I'm on the fence on this uh, on this answer because I, I, it's 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 just such a foreign concept, and I know that the the La Liga thing is being met with resistance beyond just Real Madrid. Um, you know, 
I would certainly, and Agnelli would angle for an away match for Juventus to be played abroad, whether it's in the United States, whether it's in China or what have you. Um, I would be okay with that. You know, I, 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 you know, if Juventus has demonstrated an ability to get consistent turnout, get consistent sellouts for their home matches, why should they have to forfeit a home match for a game being played abroad? I like the concept of a mid-table team that, you know, you see 8,000, you see a lot of empty seats. Because let's be real here, guys. We, when we watch these games on the weekends, you know, there are a lot of half-empty stadiums still, unfortunately. We're not to where uh, Bundesliga is, right, where they sell out all of their games, regardless of who they are. The Premier League sells out all of their games. Uh, you know, La Liga has some attendance issues here and there. Um, so for me, it's, you know, I think I would be on board with this, but I would be very, I would, I, I would, introduce this very slowly um an angle i take from this is that uh you know the national football league here in the united states they play a couple of games a year now in london and that's that's pretty well received and it's a daring move by the national football league to do this in the middle of the english premier league season to be able to pull uh consumers from a product that they're familiar with on a weekly basis and get them to attend uh an nfl uh football game so um I think that the idea has potential. I'd like to see it, but I'd like to I'd like to see it be brought along slowly. If you want to tell me that a home match for Bologna, for example, uh, against Juve, and bring that over to New York, um, you know, right? Bologna, Bologna, Montreal. Yeah, exactly. So they would Bologna be- comes to Montreal because of the Saputo link. Our exchange dollars either going to make money. They don't have to worry about the American dollar. We can't send. <laughs> pick another team. Pick another team. Pick another team. Fine. No, fine. Fine. Okay. Well, then how do you feel about, uh, well, I can't say Torino. You don't want the Derby out of Turin. Um, Genoa. Okay. And that might that might be sore to the Genovese. But, I, you know, if, if, they're, if, there's, if there's a season where they're struggling to get you know, to, uh, to get people in the seats, I, you know, one of these mid table teams in Udinese that, you know, have the game in New York. And, uh, would you rather have a game that's got 40,000 in New York, or would you rather have a game where, you know, 10 to 12,000 turn up at the Friuli? Now Juventus away matches, those tickets tend to sell a little bit more than, than other games. I understand that, but, you know, I would be on board with a Juve away match, I would be in vo- I would be on board with a very slow introduction of this concept. So um, I don't think that if, if City I want to do this it, it, at some point I don't want to see them get overly aggressive with it because I like some of Vinny's points that he made. You know, in terms of continuing to strengthen you know Italy's own infrastructure when it comes to uh, when it comes to calcio in that country. So um, Richard, presidential point number two. Presidential point number two. At the World Football Summit in Madrid, Juventus owner Agnelli said that the following regarding UEFA creating a new comp competition. We're giving Agnelli way too much time on our on our podcast. What the hell is this? Okay, this is supposed president. to be a Milan podcast. Skip the presidential point. President, president, Presidente, this is, you, you lost the cool point with me. I complimented you so much, and you, your first two points are about Agnelli. How the tables have turned. How the tables have turned. He's cheating on us, guys. He's cheating on us. You better look right into now, this. Right now, guys, paint this picture in your minds. He's sitting down <laughs> on one of those uh, brown maroon 
uh, leather chairs with the with plastic, the, with the plastic all over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> plastic. I just spat out my beer. The guard just slightly clipped because he can't smoke inside the house because his wife's going to give him a beating. And he's sipping hot cocoa. No, he's sipping, he's sipping La Vecchia Romagna. La Vecchia Romagna. Like some scotch. And, and not forget, he's enjoying his 30% of dry in HD. 30%. And he's calling all the neighbors, the uncles. That's how you... he writes his presidential point. Exactly. <laughs> Hard to top that, but back to the point. Um, the quote is, we are working towards creating a third tournament. Um, it was something very sought out by the clubs in order to have a chance to participate in European competition during the season. We are also working on reducing the amount of teams in Europa League from 48 to 32. Here's the question. We all know this is all about money. Putting that aside, what kind of third tournament would you like to see that is composed of mid-table clubs not in the Champions League or Europa League? We'll go with Vinny first. Honestly, I don't want. I, I, it, it, I don't want to see another tournament because now let, let's put it this way, right? If it is all about money, that I think we could all agree on. But mm-hmm. if would you guys admit right now that the Europa League? has gained some, a bit of lust, like, you know, okay, it's a bit more prestigious than it was 10 years ago, yes. but not even not even close to the Champions League. Now you want to bring in a third one? How are we going to take that seriously? Who's going to play Pro Vercelli and Frosinone? Like, no, I don't, no, I don't think so. Not but, for me. Uh, guys, wasn't there, like, the Inter-Toto Cup that uh, existed back in the day or where uh, it was kind of like that third tournament that no one really cared about and no one wanted to participate in? I don't know how this was, third tournament. It used to be it, stashed away in the summer. Yeah. And was something that was, you know, there weren't a lot of teams that participated in it. And I think the the winner got uh, entry into the old UEFA Cup. That's, I think, the way it happened. But, yeah, I remember the Intertoto Cup. Yeah. So, I, I, for me, sorry, I don't know if Richard, if, if Steve was next there, but I just start to talk anyways. But uh, I, I'm okay. with I'm with that too. Uh, uh, not another tournament. Uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna cause things to get a little bit watered down. It's not uh, Europa League has gained some credibility, and I think a lot has to do that the winner gets a Champions League spot because if that doesn't exist, I think that a lot of teams would uh, would bail out early. Yes, you're winning a cup. You have the chance to play the Super Cup against the winner of Champions League. But would you sacrifice your season, especially if you're someone, let's say, from the EPL, where if you finish 18th, you probably might make more money than winning the Europa League? Uh, no, I don't think it's just a bad idea. I think it's a bad idea. I'm surprised. Uh, I'm surprised it's even coming up, especially with the players complaining that they play already too much soccer. So uh, I'd be very surprised if another third tournament comes up. Frank, what about you? I I, I don't want to see a third competition involving mid-table or mid-tier teams. Um, it would be way too watered down. Nobody would be interested in it. Um, I wouldn't take the time to watch it. I wouldn't even you know. And I do some gambling on 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 football. I would not. I would not place bets on it. It just would be. Uh, it would just be just. It would be boring. Um, I mean, the other problem is is that uh, many of the teams that you would probably consider for this competition, and we could just talk about Serie A alone, they have a hard time getting people to go to the games for Serie A. Now you're going to try to get them to go to the games for this, you know, third-rate European competition? Not going to happen. 
So um, I would not be against seeing the old Cup Winners' Cup coming back and having that being in a knockout tournament from the start, a two-legged knockout tournament like it was in the old days. So, you know, these Cup winners can decide if they really want to put a lot of, you know, and then have some sort of system where, okay, say, you know, Milan qualified for the Europa League, also were the finalists in the uh, Coppa Italia last season, right? Okay. They can make the decision. They qualify for this Cup Winners' Cup. Do they want to compete in that or they want to compete in the Europa League? And they have a deadline by which they place their entry. And if they decline to participate in the Europa League, then another Italian team takes that Cup Winners' Cup slot. Okay. I don't mind some kind of process like that, you know, where that third tournament is okay, it's there. It's a knockout tournament. The team that's in it can choose whether or not they want to really be invested in it. If if you're going to do something, I would like to see something along those lines come back. But doing something where there's a league stage and knockouts, there's already too many games going on in midweek. There's already too many games for the players. And, you know, quite honestly, how many of these big clubs across Europe are on board with seeing mid-table teams get a third competition where they have the potential to, to, to gain more revenue and strengthen themselves as clubs? You know, do you think, I mean, just from an ego standpoint, you think Barcelona and Real Madrid are on board with seeing, uh, you know, a Real Sociedad get stronger because they got to play and they got to play additional games. They got to play an additional competition. They got to attain additional revenue. Okay. Does, does Bayern Munich want to start seeing, you know, no disrespect, Richard Schalke, you know, I know Schalke is in the champions league this year, but (laughs) sorry about that. Richard supports Schalke in the uh, Bundesliga. Rich is one of these. He's got a favorite team in every league. Um, the Rossinetti are my team. They're my yeah. team. Um, but okay, so you know, I don't know. I don't know if they're in the Bundesliga anymore. But Mainz, did they want to see Mainz play a third-rate competition and gain more revenue and and have funds to be able to strengthen their teams? So, <laughs> how much are all of these big clubs on board with this? I, you know, if you're going to do something, give me some sort of, you know competition where it's a knockout tournament from the beginning and and go from there no league no all of these games just in in, in a cup winners cup something like that would i'd be fine but nothing more than that now listen guys we're all rossoneri here right so i'm going to play the devil's advocate on this one um while i agree with all of you on this uh i think the one only way i would want to watch something like this is if you give credit to the teams that are doing well in the current season and you start to see, you start this tournament a little bit later than you would Champions League or Europa League. And you take the best teams that are not in Europa League or Champions League in the current season and place like the top four that, the top four that are in there in these tournaments to see how, you know, sometimes I'm curious to see sometimes how these teams that are doing well that year, how they would do in the Champions League or Europa League, but they don't get the chance because usually what happens is summer comes and the vultures come take their players and we don't get to see how good they really were uh, like they were last year. So I like to see the current teams that are not in the, the two top tournaments in these tournaments and see how they would do in based in current form and see then who of those two te- of those teams mid-tier teams who would prevail just out of curiosity you know it's it's interesting to see for me how how an informed team can do how far can they go how, how far can they push themselves if they were given the opportunity so on the whole we're on the, you know richard richard has a good idea there but on the whole we're we're not excited about an additional european right. competition yes right. Yeah, so. to me, it just like another Luigi Berlusconi uh, trophy. 
What is that? Every Luigi Berlusconi on those there? Yeah. So we're definitely not interested. They, they didn't even have a Trofeo Tim in the preseason this year, did they? Exactly. I don't think, I don't think they did. They all went to America. Uh, you're, took, you know, wherever, wherever they all went, and they come back and they just started the season. The, so. It was. The, I think the ICC has been taking that over. I don't think they've done it uh, since uh, since then. But they used to have those lackluster trophies, and that's what we're basically coming down to is that. It, the more you, the more you just bring, like put more and more and more, right? What's the point of that? But no, all good points, guys. Yep, absolutely. Presidential point number three: UEFA rankings. God damn it, Presidente! Um, we got to talk about this. <laughs> uh, that's two I've got against them now, guys. I'm, I'm coming back. All right, I learned. I learned. <laughs> Steve, wake up! All right. Here, here are the latest. Here are the latest UEFA rankings, and these are the uh, the, the nation's uh, you know collective club coefficient. If I'm not mistaken, Presidente wasn't specific, but I'm assuming that that's what this is. Uh, Spain is first at 88.569. England second at 66.748. Italy third at 66.297. Germany fourth at 61.070. You didn't need the extra zero. We get the point after seven. Um, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I'm trying to be you guys. I'm trying to be you guys. Okay, I'm putting on that hat. <laughs> you <didn't think> oh. <laughs> All right, the, the club rankings for uh, for Serie A teams in terms of uh, UEFA coefficient: Juventus is fifth, at 14th is Roma, 15th Napoli, Fiorentina 36th. Really, uh, Lazio Lazio is 40th, Inter is 60th, Milan 83rd, Atalanta 84th. Sassuolo 92nd, Sampdoria 93rd, Torino 94th, which none of those have anything to do with the question that he asks. Um, with the latest results in European competition, Italy is moving closer to passing England for second while distancing itself from Germany. Is this the year Italy overtakes England and moves second into the overall uh, collective club coefficient? Richard, what do you think? Uh, it'll be tough. I think it, it has to culminate with what the teams do but also the national team. And I'm curious if the, if the national team can bounce back. Um, we know England is doing very well right now. Um, they're in a hard group, sure. But uh, they're playing really well with their youngsters. Italy has still yet to convince us. Um, as far as the, the club teams, um, there's a lot of good teams in, in tournaments right now. And if they can get deep, um, we've seen the English team struggle as of late. Uh, yes, Liverpool did great last year. Man City always do great, but... Um, this the Serie A teams did really well last year, and if they can continue that and have go really deep, make deep runs, I think th this is the year they finally move into second place. Okay, uh, Steve, guys, we all know we've all been through. Now we're four people that have gone through these presidential points where we have to decipher. Exactly what he's trying to talk to. <laughs> you guys think he took that from the, the website? He crunched those numbers with the calculator, guys. You don't understand. Took every his game. calculator. His calculator. His calculator had the extra zero in Germany. All of our calculators would have stopped at the seven. Exactly. You understand? So no, that's the president and uh, Steve. I don't know. You want to answer this question? You, we would probably would have skipped through this question. Yeah, here. guaranteed we would have skipped it. But for me. I think they will not pass uh, just because, uh, like Richard was saying, it's a mix between what, uh, what we'll do in European competition and what the national team will do. Uh, the national team, guys, every time I watch them, I feel more and more the urge of throwing up. 
in terms of what we'll do in the European competition, Juventus, uh, the last couple of years, have gone to the final. Uh, but very disappointing from Rome, very disappointing from Naples. Uh, I don't know what Inter is going to do this year. Uh, Europa League, it all depends how those teams take it seriously. But in the end, if uh, if Roma and Napoli and Inter uh, don't pick up their game in the Champions League, uh, I don't think that we'll, 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 uh, we'll accumulate enough points to surpass Germany this year. Uh, but that's just us laughing at Roma, Napoli, and yeah, Inter, yeah. basically. Uh, uh, because seven years of the non-Milanese teams being anywhere involved in the Champions League besides Inter this year, those snake animal people. Stop snakes. Uh, and uh, you and Roma and Napoli could not do nothing. That, that's my frustration, guys. I'm not a Roma fan. I'm not a Napoli fan. I For me, I'll just disregard the president's question and I'll say how disappointing... Roma and Napoli have been in this Champions League. Besides last year, Roma made a little run, but Napoli, very disappointing. I think, uh, yeah, you're just taking the words out of my mouth because if this system is based on positioning of the Italian teams in the Europa League doing better than the ones in Champions League, and if we got to go by, guys, it's all fine and dandy numbers, but if we got to go by what we see, uh, in our right minds, forget Quiff, who would say right now in the right minds, oh, yeah, Italy with their teams that they have in the Italian national program and the team that we're going, we're going to surpass Germany. Nobody in their right mind would say that. So even if they would, it's what's on the pitch that what counts. And you forgot to mention, as Frank uh, eloquently said, Lazio, not Lazio, Lazio. From now on, I'm going to say it like that. Thank you, Frank, for that. Lazio. Thank you. <laughs> oh, um, you know, I think. I mean, the gap's really close to England, and I'm tempted to say that the, the clubs can overtake them if they want if, if they want it, but how much do they want it? And you take a look at what, you know, just from match week one across the board in Champions League and in uh, Europa League, um, you know, Arsenal look and, you know, they had some part-timers that they played against, and they appeared to take it seriously. Uh, Chelsea went to a very hostile environment. Maurizio Sarri you know, left some people at home, still uh, scratched out a win. Uh, I don't think that, uh, I think Manchester City will be fine, and I think the loss to Lyon was a fluke. Liverpool beating PSG, uh, you know, Manchester United, uh, you know, they played the young boys, and we'll see what they do against Valencia and Juve. And then, uh, you know, Tottenham, right now, I think, I, and I've been saying this a lot, this is, if you want to beat Tottenham, this is the time to beat them with all of their guys hung over from the World Cup. Um, you know, so where you look at the Italian teams in this com in, in these competitions, the, we we think Juve are going to go deep in the Champions League. At least they have they have put their chips all their chips in the table that they're going to. Um, we saw we 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 knew that would happen to Roma at the Bernabeu, and they might get out of that. They they should get out of that group, but they're not going to go much further. Napoli dropped two points that they just can't afford to drop in the group that they're in. Inter got a great win. You know, it's the three points they have to get if they're going to qualify in a group with Tottenham, Barcelona, and PSV. So you look there, and then, you know, the jury's out on where we're at with Milan and, and Lazio, or Lazio, however we want to call them, um, you know, through match day one of the Europa League. So right now we kind of see a contrast, and I, I think that the, 
you know, when I weigh when I weigh things a little bit and I get Inter beat Tottenham, but even with that Manchester City loss, I think the Premier League teams are performing a little bit better in these in, the, in these competitions than the Serie A teams at the moment. Now, in a few match weeks, that might change. Okay, but I'm 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 going by what I'm watching, um, and uh, you know, I, I I don't think. Italy closes the gap for those reasons. I think the English teams are going to do just a little bit better this season than, uh, than the Serie A teams. And I think largely because some of these Serie A teams aren't going to be invested. I think Roma and Napoli in particular are going to find themselves. Napoli is going to try to chase, chase Juve again. And Roma are going to find themselves fighting to get back into the top four. And right now it doesn't look good for them the way they're playing. So, you know, the priorities are going to shift. And these European competitions might not be so important to the Serie A teams as it might be to the Premier League teams. So we'll have to see. That's my my long-winded answer for you know for that question. I, I think at the end of the season, I think England is still going to be ahead of Italy. So Italy's going to be squarely in third. Hey Frank, uh, what do you say we just wrap these uh, presidential points up with one more, huh? Yeah, yeah. We've, we, I mean, we, I mean, uh, the, the, our, our poor guests—they've been tortured so much, but uh, I, I think they can withstand one more. One more. All right. This should have happened at least five years ago, but finally, Rai Italia is in HD. The next step is for every distributor, cable, and satellite operator to broadcast the channel in HD. In Canada, Bell has done so via its Fibes service. For the USA, not sure if any cable or satellite provider has done the upgrade. Two-part question. Now that HD has arrived, is it too little, too late? The damage has been done. Or does Rai Italia have a chance to welcome back some customers they have lost? Second-part question is, are you a Calcio, are you a Calcio addict who also prefers watching Calcio with Italian play-by-play and therefore will consider getting Rai Italia back again? Let's go with Steve. He's taking shots at us, you know that, right? Yeah, yeah. This, is, taking, this, this is, is a the shot. president and it's, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's caressing his, his hairless cat right now. Yeah, that's what he's doing. <laughs> he's caressing his hairless cat and he's laughing. He's been stoning us, guys, about this HD the whole week. The, he's infatuated with Rai and his HD. Marcello, Presidente Frank Kenrich, Steve Polio has been watching Rai since he was born. My parents came from Italy to Montreal in 1960. I learned to speak Italian before English. Do you think I care? I've been watching it in fuzzy (laughs) 480i for my whole life. My eyesight has been destroyed because I've watched it so many Sundays on on a, on a not even no no flat screen guys. We had the the mobile were all made out of uh, mahogany. Yeah, the and turntable a, on top. Turntable on top. <laughs> I would watch it. It was tube. It was colored. The color would fade. It would go black and white, and then it would come back color. Then Milan would look like they would have a pink jersey, but it would come back red. I don't care. I will watch soccer. On anything. I will watch it on my phone. I will watch it on TV. I don't care about HD. It's nice. Oh, don't get me wrong. Yeah, beautiful. Very nice. But I just want to watch the game. I'll listen to it on the radio. I am a calcio addict. I will watch anything said, yeah, on whatever resolution. It comes down to, guys, like when we go watch the games, you know, we have multicultural, multilingual. Like, we'll have some time. We would have it on the right. You think they cared what voice is on or what the quality of the picture? What the problem has been in North America has not been the HD signal or not, even though they're still back in the dinosaur age there, is the accessibility of Serie A and not the quality of it. 
because that's what the yeah. problem with, with us to go stream an illegal site because right now it has to most l'heredita at the two thirty. That was the problem. Oh no, your team is playing at nine o'clock with the rest of it. Well, you won't be able. That's been the problem. HD is certainly a lot better to see. It's a luxury. It, it is, a, but it's not in this. It is not, not a necessity. necessity. Whether I want guys, I've been watching more in Spanish than anything. And honestly, the Rai Italian commentators suck. And I don't get no excitement. Allora, ci abbiamo a Pirlo, Pirlo, a Sidorf, a Sidorf, a Intaghi, Calcio, Calcio. That's what we got used to listening to in the. There's no excitement. Okay, Fabio Caressa and Pepe Bergomid, but that's on sport. Those are not accessible to Italians across the pond. Oh, no, no. that's only for Italians. So tell the president to take his HD and, and <laughs> you know, put it, put and it, put it. In Put a, it in the drawer next to him. <laughs> but no, I think I think uh, we get where he's coming from. But uh, no, I don't think it's going to bring back some uh, people. Usually, I would say I don't know if it's the same thing over there. But the the average age of uh, Rhein international viewers is probably seventy two years old. To them, like uh, I'll give you an example. My dad will watch the regular channel. Let's say our sports channel TSN. He'll have it on the regular channel. My dad, it's in HD. Uh, you could put it on there. He's like, I don't see the difference. So. No, I don't think it's going to bring back viewers, but it's it comes down to the accessibility. And thank you to DAZN. Yes, it is $20 a month. Yes, it could be shared, but thank you to them for the last two years because we can watch our Milan whenever we want. How about you, Frank? I had to get a subscription to Rai one time back when uh, we had the old Fox Soccer Channel and they weren't carrying Serie A. Um, and this was in 2007, the beginning of 2007, when Milan signed Phenomeno, uh, Ronaldo. And I wanted to, I got a subscription. The, the, the cable service I had had REI available, and I believe it was for like 15 bucks a month. And I got the subscription because I was hell-bent on wanting to see his debut against Siena. And, you know, watch a few games subsequently after that. Well, through the years, Serie A has been a lot more accessible, um, you know, through English-speaking channels. You know, uh, Fox Fox Soccer Channel ultimately picked it up, and then it went to be in sports, and now it's on ESPN+, Plus, you know, here in the United States. So I don't need Rye. So I honestly don't care about this question. I, I don't have an opinion about it. Now, I understand that there are, you know, those here that are that are immigrants, you know, and want to uh, want to have a longing for the games being presented to them in the Italian language, fine. Okay, um, I can see how they might have a, um, you know, they have they might have a uh, affinity for it. You know, I don't need it. You know, I, you know, I don't need it. I, I, uh, in fact, the year that I they had the subscription, I didn't even listen to the commentators. I had it on mute and I had music on. So. Um, you know, so that's kind of where I come from personally on it. I can see where some people are are happy that it's available, but um, you know, not totally necessary for me. You know, not totally necessary to hear Italian football. Uh, you know, the the play by play in Italian either. And and Richard, you know, up until this season, you know, we were doing the sound from the goals in Italian. Now that we have the English speaking access and the permission from, you know, whether it's ESPN plus through 11 sports or however we're getting the sound, we're using that, you know, for the sound now. So, um, and permission. <laughs> well, yes, permission. Okay. 
We're not going to get shut down here, are we? Um, <laughs> so, You're seeking the safe with us. Yeah. We ain't going to say nothing. Don't worry about it. And our and our ten listeners. So, um, so that's that's just where I come from on it. So, how about you, Richard? Um, I've had I've had Rai also, and I remember how how Granny used to be, and I I'm a little bit spoiled now here in the U.S. We have a lot of HD channels here, so uh, for the sake of argument, I mean I love having ESPN now because the quality is unreal, and and the better quality you have, the better the better it is, and I don't think Rai Italia is going to have great quality in HD to begin with. I think Sky Italia is so far ahead of them right now as it is, and uh, if I had to choose between Rai or Sky Italia, I'm gonna go Sky Italia. Uh, when, when the times I've been in Europe and I've watched, watched football, soccer, I've watched it on Sky. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't watch it on Rai. Um, you know, if I had to get my Italian commentary, that's where I would go to. So for me, it's too little too late for Rai. Um, but like I said, here in the U.S., we have ESPN Plus now, and the, the quality is amazing. Yes, I, wouldn't, I, I really wouldn't care. I'd watch, I'd watch soccer any way possible, but um, I'm spoiled now. I've seen HD all the time, and so... I would go. I would keep watching my ESPN Plus, or if you had to twist my arm and I had to listen to an Italian, it'd be Sky Italia for me. And uh, just a, a, a little note on Milan's Ronaldo. He he scored in his Milan debut for for all you Juventini out there with your Ronaldo <laughs> against against the worst team. If if you can find a worse team than Kievo, that Siena team that season was pretty bad. Thought I'd have a dig at the Juventini. This is a, we're making this a Milan podcast. We're talking about Milan today, right, guys? And uh, please Agnelli. let us know. Are we finally done with these presidential points that didn't speak about Milan at all? This is it. This is it. We're done. We're done. The president, president, had his part. You guys can can relax now. We can all take a deep breath. We're going to have a Q and A about AC Milan here uh, shortly. But before that, we're going to get to some points that I created, and it's a new segment called Patience or Panic. All right, so I wanted to bring up some talking points uh, to, uh, you know, since we're talking about Serie A, we're in between match weeks here as of this recording, recording on Tuesday on the 25th of September. Um, and uh, I have four topics here to cover with everybody, and I want to ask you guys patience or panic in relation to them. And I'm going to start with Juventus. Um, Ronaldo seems to have a monopoly on all of the free kicks. Uh, for the old lady. And uh, there may or may not be some rumblings in the camp, uh, but there's certainly some rumblings on Juventus Twitter. Caught enough tweets to say, let Dybala take this kick, let Pjanic take that kick. You know, these guys have these guys have been brilliant at it. Why is Ronaldo taking every free kick? A lot of frustration in that Rosanone game, um, you know, especially in the first half when, when it was, you know, nil-nil and they were struggling to score or on Frozenone, who Atalanta put four past, who Sampdoria put five past. So this free kick situation, because there are a lot of free kick specialists, and it seems as if Cristiano Ronaldo has a bit of a monopoly on those situations. Vinny, uh, is it patience or panic uh, for Juventini uh, and in terms of what that could do to the uh, morale, shall we say, of the team? I will go patience because I will tell all these 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 Juventinis that uh, uh, have have you lost a game so far all season? No, okay. So if this is what you're arguing about, who's taking free kicks in the end, three points at the end of the day. If you go on to win another scudetto, nobody's going to be talking about oh you should let Dybala, you should this. So 
yeah, definitely like you know, patience. Seriously, these guys are they're worried about who's taking free gigs and they're winning games after every two minutes. You yeah, go games. through a, go through a year of Nikola Kalinic and have some real problems, right? Yeah. Or Bakayoko now. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Steve, okay. patience or pa- patience or panic? I would say uh, I would say panic. I think it it might cause a problem. Oh, you panic! I think it's going to cause a problem. He's not. It's not the first time that Ronaldo has caused some sort of controversy in terms of he has to take the spot kicks, he has to take the free kicks. I think it's going to cause some panic. I think Dybala is on his way out. I think that uh, Pjanic should be taking some of those uh, those free kicks. Uh, I don't know if they're going to play a game of Amura like Adriano and Mihailovic did with Inter. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they're going to have to find a solution to that, or else I think it's going to be toxic. Okay. Okay. Uh, Richard, pa- patience or panic for, Juven- for Juventini and, uh, uh, you know, in terms of this situation, it could get a little volatile. It's interesting because Dybala is an excellent free kick taker, as is Pjanic. Pjanic is probably better. Um, and obviously Ronaldo has the ability. He hasn't scored many, but he has the ability. Um, for the fans of Juventini, it's panic. Obviously, it's already shown on, on Twitter. Uh, when every time he misses a shot, oh, it, it should have been Dybala. Oh, it should have been Pjanic. But I think ultimately it's it's patience as far as the players go because a you have arguably the best player on the on the in in the in the world right now on your team, um, and you know he's a new guy on the team. I mean. You right now, right now that everything is in the honeymoon stage. Yeah, there maybe a couple guys are arguing for with the ball, but I think it's patience. Um, if he starts scoring them, uh, it's gonna gonna go away. As long as they keep winning, I think it'll be fine. Um, that's the key. And like like you guys are saying, they haven't lost a game yet, so there's really no reason to be panicked. Um, when it's, if they start losing in the, in the table and, and dropping below Napoli or whomever, I can see panic setting in. But right now, it's patience. I, I, I will go with patience as well. I, I don't, this is the worst of your, if this is the worst of your problems, Juventini, you got it really good. Um, so they're, they're making up problems right now just so they can have something to bitch about. I think that's what it is. I, if, if, when they're not bitching at me talking about Juventus privilege on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. This is, this is what they, this is what they go for. So, and, um, and, 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 uh, Adam Digby is someone that I ha- I respect. I respect his work. He respects mine. And we had a very – it wasn't a heated discussion. It was an exchanging of ideas. He's trying to convince me that there's no such thing as Juventus privilege. And then I went back and I told him, well, then how do you explain, Bernard, how do you explain uh, being allowed to play against 10-men Cagliari when one of them's down with an apparent head injury? How do you explain the Cacciatore incident last season? How do you explain the Bernardeschi handball in the box uh, against Cagliari? Um, they didn't – totally impact how the title went last season but they're not that subtle so um you know so just uh, just as a few examples oh and how do you explain Montari's disallowed goal a few years ago let's you know we, you know if we want to be milan centric here um, and yeah. buffon said uh, no I, I didn't see it go in i didn't see it go in no, no i didn't see it go in but it's okay it's oh, okay. he can go from that and then just blast yeah, never mind i, I don't want to but i will I say wanna, i will say I will say one thing, uh, Frank. We could talk about the goal of the Muntari all we want, but sometimes we forget the fact that we lost at Scudetto against Fiorentina because we're still a point up, and then we managed to do two blunders after that. So, yes, 
But in the end, it's always like, you know, we talk about the, oh, the North Korea game, South Korea game with Italy 2002, we got robbed. Yeah. But nobody, nobody remembers about how Christian Berry missed an open shot from six yards. So we always got to, you want, you told me to put my Serie hat on and that's what I'm doing. So we got to look at both sides. We got to look at both sides. Uh, Italy got robbed that entire 2002 tournament. Not only the two goals taken away from them against, they had five goals taken away from them total uh, across all the games they played in that competition. So, uh, but I agree with you, but at 1-1 and the 80, I think it was the 87th or 88th minute, Christian Berry got a cross in, he had an open net and he missed. If he would have scored that goal, we wouldn't be talking about that today. We would have disallowed him. We would have called him on that. Okay, here are the conspiracy theories. I, I'm, 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 I'm with Steve here. So they, they, FIFA went out of their way to make sure South Korea could get as far as they could in that competition. Let's not kid ourselves. That's true. <laughs> That's right. I'm agreeing. I'm just saying that something. Uh, you know what? Go back to the presidential yeah. points. Go back to the presidential. Now, yeah. These aren't the presidential <laughs> points. These are my points now. These are actually valid city uh, talking points now. Valid. <laughs> I like wow. that. Nice taking shots at the president. Yeah. Go. That's fine. We're with you. This is your show. Go ahead. Marcello, I didn't mean that. <laughs> uh, Torino is the next uh, is the next one here on patience or panic. Now they got off to a pretty decent start to the season. Uh, they battle and arguably outplayed Roma before uh, giving into a uh, Aiden Jekyll goal in the 89th minute, losing 1-0. Battled back to draw Inter 2-2. Uh, fought their way to a win over Spall. Um, and then uh, since then, a draw that they had to come from behind against Udinese and then the defeat at home to Napoli 3-1 in a match that could have been worse. Uh, Andrea Bellotti has one, has two goals, one of them a penalty. Iago Falke is injured and is out for an indefinite, you know, still out for an indefinite period of time. Uh, and Bayern Yang moved on. Another creative player was also sold. That was a head scratcher for me that Torino wanted to move on from those players, but did. Um, they are sitting on five points. Our friend Rafa from the Sempre Napoli podcast considered Torino as a threat for the European uh, places. Uh, this wildly inconsistent start doesn't seem to suggest that that could be possible at the moment. So uh, for Torino fans, uh, now that we're on the other side of Turin, is it patience with this Torino team or is it panic time in terms of what they could possibly achieve? Uh, Vinny? I would still go with uh, patience there because it's still, you know, guys, it's five games in and, and Torino, it's like what would be – what would be their goal at the beginning of the season, right? Did they have a concrete goal? And every year they always manage to to finish, like, you know, where they're supposed to finish. I don't think I would put a, I definitely wouldn't panic if I was a Torino fan. Uh, right now, Steve is showing me the, he's, he's pulling a Mazzari on me. He's pointing at his watch and he's telling me like to speed it up. Uh, but uh, no, Torino, definitely I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't panic. That would just, maybe at game 10, I would say maybe make a change, but not right now. That's my personal opinion. Okay, Steve, uh, patience or panic with Torino? They have to panic. They have to panic. Torino is one of those legacy teams. Torino is the team from Torino, not Juventus. It's enough with Torino. Torino had one of the greatest squads. They have a history. Yep. It's to be washed away by Juventus because Juventus has all the money. Juventus has all the fan base everywhere else. It's time to panic for Torino. But they cannot have average results every year. They have to become a great team again. But Steve, how, how are you going to become a great team again? This team has been okay for the last, what, 20 years, 30 years? And all of a sudden you want to panic after 20 years? I want to panic because it's, it's, it's enough. If I'm a Torino fan, I've had enough. 
I've had enough. I have had nothing but misfortune for the longest time. When I'm in the city that has my name, my team has the name of the city, and it's another team that rules my city, I'm pissed and I'm panicked. I understand, but nobody, they have not done any moves whatsoever. When was the last time that a world-class player, Torino? When was the last time they made a splash? When was the last time that they, 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 you know, it's just like, for me, it's like, I think they're content. With Someone what they needs have. to buy Torino, Frank and Richard, some, some oh, okay, person yeah. who has a lot of money needs to buy Torino because these, that fan base lost 11 of the greatest soccer players, cost you know, that, that tragedy cost Italy another two World Cups. It yeah. cost them their lives. And this team has just had, like, the misfortune and mis- those That fan base should be reprimanded. They should be saluted every time they go into a stadium because they're still fans of this. And I agree with you. The only way that they'll be able to turn it around into this panic is somebody buying them off because they, they've, they've done nothing in the last 15, 20, 30 years. That's, uh, anyways, that's me. Um. Steve, you, I, I, I take you for a bit of a historian when it comes to Serie A. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Um, the, 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 the disaster in the 40s with the plane crash and, and, and the, that, that grande Torino that, that lost, their, lost their lives. Had that not happened, do we talk about Torino today the way we currently talk about Juve? Absolutely. Okay. You think so? I, I, I agree. I, I get that there's I get that there's businesses, okay? I get that there's a business aspect of football and I, I get that Juventus, you know, has a you know, has a business sense to them and that's part of what helped make them successful through the years. But we talk we probably could talk about the Turin Derby, you know, to the way we talk about the Milan Derby, the way we talk about El Clasico, the way we talk about the Manchester Derby, the, you know, you know, the, the, some of the great derbies in world football. It still has its place, but can you imagine how elevated it could be had it not been for that tragedy all those years ago? It, it, you know, it's, it's hard to say at this point, but yes, that team, you know, would have, what, what would have happened? Like you're saying, Steve was saying, probably another two World Cups. That team, I think that's what it was. Nine out of the nine out of the starting eleven of the national team were playing at Torino. So who knows? Maybe we would have had a the legacy from there. It's hard to say, but you know, uh, definitely a very big. Uh, probably, probably will never come back from, from from something like that until somebody decides it's enough. Isn't it? Seven league titles, five in a row. Yeah. So Richard, let me bring you into this on Torino. Is it patience or panic with them? Uh, it's it's patience now because I agree. I think that only way this is going to change with them, their get out of mediocrity, is by get a new owner and and an owner that wants to turn it back to the Grande Torino from old. Um, that because that was you know if that team had not perished and continued on, we would be talking about them like we talk about Juventus uh, and Milan, right? Uh, but uh, I think right now it's just patience because they're, they're a mediocre team and um, they're doing okay. I mean, they're going to end up in the season where, like like you guys have been saying, that they're going to end up where they're supposed to be. Um, they have some good, really good players on their team. They just got to get all on the same page. And, um, you know, Iago Falke is obviously pulling the strings, and, and Belotti is there to try to put stuff away. Um, they got talent, and they can they can make moves, but you got to be patient with this team. Um, they're not – they got a lot of good teams in front of them, and 
And until these guys gel and, and start playing defense, it's going to be uh, a slow process getting towards Europa League or, or higher if they want. I'm going to I'm going to say patience, but enough there, you know, it's a it's a it's a very thin layer of patience, like close to panic time. Um, you know, if they're going to be competitive and if they're going to prove that they can compete for a European place, you can't lose at home to Napoli 3-1. You need to show you can be more competitive than that. Um, and I I woke up very early to watch this game. I might have been the only one uh, that wasn't a Napoli or Torino supporter. And and Napoli just Napoli outplayed. Um, and I think that Torino right now has a lack of a creative spark. That's where Iago Felke comes from. You know, if they get him back, that could that could certainly help improve some things. Um, you know, in terms of having a sustained position in Europe, I agree. I think it's going to take some investment. Um, I think that, and this could be an, an unpopular opinion, uh, Urbano, Urbano Cairo has missed the window with Andrea Bellotti um, uh, to to put the transfer demands that he did. You know, Richard, and this was the very first season of Serie A sit-down. Richard and I were debating this. Is he really worth $100 million? We don't know this yet. He's having one great season, okay? And I would not put that price tag on him if I'm an owner. I would allow clubs to negotiate and say, hey, what do you think he's worth? And if you can give me 80 for him, I probably would have done it because I can take that, turn that 80 around and find me three or four good players and strengthen this squad. So I think uh, Irbano Caro, I think, what do you guys, let me, let me ask you guys this about Torino. Did, 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 uh, he, uh, did he drop the ball with uh, the opportunity to cash in on Belotti when he could have? I, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to say this, like, you know, a year later, but at the amount of money, what do you guys think? Do you think 50 was on the table? If, I, I'm sure there were people that were offering 50, and he rejected it. If you know? 50 was on the if 50 was on the table, mm, I think at 60, I think he made a mistake because at that point, a kid like Belotti is not going to uh, unless you go bring him players, Steve. That you're going to bring him to maybe a Champions League spot, right? You need to let the kid go and uh, flourish somewhere else. Yes, I think it was a mistake. I don't know. And guys, let's be honest. I don't think coming a Milan would have would have, you know, made us go to Champions League or anything like that. Uh, I prefer having a... But he would have been better than Kalinic. Yeah. Way better than Kalinic. That's it. That's... We're, we're all better than Kalinic. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, but I think, yeah, that was a mistake because he could have taken that money and I think he was just trying to play hardball. At one point, what was he saying? 100, 120 million. He thought, like, what? Real Madrid's going to come knocking? And uh, no, definitely a big mistake. Just like... Uh, the mistake of uh, when we started printing those Carlos Tevez uh, jerseys, remember? And then Pato said, no, no, I'm not going to go for $35 million. Remember that? That was a big mistake. That's yeah. <laughs> just Milani's the mind-blowing uh, that. So. Yep. So, you know, so that's, a, you know, that, that, that's another thing. And I, you know, I, I could have seen a, a deeper Torino squad built if uh, Cairo was a little more sensible. Uh, you know, his handling of handling of Bellotti and the suitors that were that were interested. So, uh, moving on, uh, the uh, the third patience or panic topic surrounds uh, who Torino will play on Wednesday and who Milan just played. Atalanta, um, Gasparini's men uh, started uh, with a with an with a four nil win over Frosinone. That all of a sudden doesn't look that impressive when you see how Frosinone have been this season. 
Um, but they did follow that up with going on the road to Roma and drawing 3-3, but we're learning based on Roma's defending, that might not have been so as impressive as first thought. Um, they cannot score against an FC Copenhagen that was breaking in a new goalkeeper and three or four new starters over the course of 120 minutes go out in PKs. They lose at home to Cali. I'm rubbing salt in all of our wounds here right now, guys. I'm sorry, but this is Atalanta-related. Let's try to stay on topic. Um, uh, they lose at home to Cagliari by a goal to nil. Then they followed it up with a 2-0 loss at Spal. They do fight back twice uh, to get a point here at Milan uh, to draw 2-2. They open the season uh, with five points from five games. They're out of the Europa League, but get looking at some of these results, um, you know, Richard, and I'll start with you on this. Atalanta, um, is this, is it, is this patience or is this panic is, and is Atalanta maybe at the beginning of the end of their course? I don't think so. I think it was, I think it's patience. Um, now that they don't have the Europe, uh, European front to worry about, I think their their focus is going to be back to Syria, and I think that's where they're going to start playing better. Um, this team has a lot of quality, and yeah, the four goals against Frosinone, you can overlook that now because they've, they've had a couple losses, uh, some draws, but um, I still like this team, and I like I like their manager Giampiero Gasparini, and I'm not. I think they're going to be pushing. Every team they play, whether it's Juventus or or Milan, like they just did this past weekend, um, I'm not going to panic on them just yet. Now, if this is further in the season and they're below mid table, yeah, absolutely panic. But right now, I'm just, I'm going to say patience. Um, I trust the process that Gasparini has, and he's proven us right at least for the last few years that uh, he knows what he's doing with the youngsters. Uh, Steve, uh, patience or panic at Atalanta? You know. From what you've seen, and I know it's hard to talk about them after the draw against Milan, um, is there hints with you know some of these disappointing results that they might be at the beginning of the end of this of this course they've been on with Gasparini? Well, to be very honest, to uh, Frank and Richard, at the beginning of the season, I I thought they were going to struggle just because uh, Gasparini was so vocal and saying that he needed help in the mercato and that the mercato was closed and. Uh, uh, and he didn't get any reinforcements, and I thought that they were gonna at least start off slowly. The four the four nil against Frosinone was a little bit of a shocker. Uh, the tie, the you know the, the result against Roma also uh, uh, a little bit surprising, but then they dipped right. So for me, for this one, I'll say patience, just because uh, Gasperini seems to get the best out of these guys. Uh, whoever he slots in, they've lost, they, you know, they've sold so many players and they haven't really missed a beat. They've been always near that uh, six, seven, eight spot there. Uh, sadly, also where Milan has been, six, seven, eight. And uh, I would say patience because I continue to say patience for Milan. I would be a hypocrite if I would say panic for Atalanta. It's very well said. Of course, it's very well said. I'm a genius. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, Vinny, where are you at on this? Um, for me, I think the fairy tale of Atalanta is over, but not necessarily panicking, right? I think Steve. Oh, uh, come on. Just say panic. You want to say panic. 
Why would they have to panic? First of all, the only reason they've been in those top spots because everybody else has been sucking. Okay, Milan, Inter, all those years. Uh, them, oh look at us, we're gonna make Champions League. Gonna... The only reason they're in those positions, you're is... just screaming, oh. and it's not our show. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, no, I wouldn't panic. I wouldn't panic. I would uh, just let uh, uh, manage your expectations, as we like to say. But Gasparini, I believe, didn't they just uh, sign him for a couple of years? If I'm not mistaken, uh, I like that kid Barrow. Uh, I think they're gonna. I think they they they, they sold like you're saying, sold a lot of a uh, lot of guys. No, I don't see them finishing. I don't see them making a European football next year. That's my personal opinion, but not necessarily a panic. Just manage manage your expectations after you didn't get those reinforcements. I'm I'm gonna just I, I I'm I'm with Vinny a little bit here uh, again. I, patience will be a little thin. I just think they need to look over their shoulder a little bit because Fiorentina are a lot better. Um, Sampdoria are all over the place right now, and who knows if Giampaolo can get that reined in. Um, they go from you know you know destroying Napoli to you know they lose one late at home to Inter, and then Sampdoria have had a very difficult uh, you know slate of matches to begin the season. So we'll see what you know they're made of as they go once that schedule lightens up for them. <clears throat> um, you know, so they're one, and we just talked about Torino, and we'll see what happens when Niago fell. So there's teams, you know, poised, you know, to, you know, to knock Atalanta out of out of the European places. And right now, you know, the way Sassuolo are running at the beginning of the season, I said this would be your fun bad team. They're going to score a lot of goals. They're going to give up a lot of goals. Well, they're getting some results here early on, um, and they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat. Uh, you know, based on the talent that they're putting on the pitch, they open the season with a win over Inter. So there are some teams that are that are kind of jockeying for position. And when you look at the top seven, you would think Atalanta would be the fall guy out of that top seven. The the other six um, should be stable enough to try to find their way into those top six places. Uh, so I I think Atalanta just need to look over their shoulder a little bit because there are some teams in terms of their performances uh, certainly you know are, are, are have gained on them, uh, and they're going to have to find a way to uh, scratch out some results more so than ever. Um, you know, uh, you know, since Gasparini has been manager, so uh, I'll be a little patient with Atalanta, but they definitely have to to watch themselves. And uh, you know, for Atalanta supporters, that that point at Milan here on on Sunday ended up being a might end up being a very important one when when uh, when the big picture actually unveils itself. So that my final patience or panic point, the team we all support, Milan. Because uh, we've got a lot of discussion about this after the draw against Atalanta. Um, they opened the season with uh, you know, a 2-0 lead over Napoli and failed to close that out, lose 3-2. They beat Roma in the end of the game 2-1. Uh, they are, have a horrible 20 minutes at Cagliari, give up a goal, could have given up a second, but found a way to draw that match. Uh, they go to the dude lounge in Luxembourg and win one nil. Uh, and then, uh, you know, in the, in the Europa league and then that's what I, that's, that's just what I call them. I, you know, (laughs) so, but they're having their moment in the sun being in the Europa league. Good for them. Um, and then, uh, dropped the lead twice against Atalanta and end up having to settle for a two, two draw. So four games in Serie A, five points. um, a, a a a win over the dude lounge that has left uh, Milan supporters less than enthralled. 
Um, so this stage of the season, through these first four games, through that Europa League performance, Vinny, is it patience or is it panic with Milan? Um, if you, uh, like you've heard us say already, me, it's right now, it's patience into panic by uh, game eight. Uh, for me, um, I don't give... I don't give them more. I don't give Gattuso more than by the by the eight. The eight game would be we said against Kievo, right, Steve? Uh, just before the the winter break. If uh, we can't come up, and let's let's not beat around the bush, guys. Uh, we're facing Sassuolo, we're facing Empoli, and we're facing Kievo. Those are must wins, right? People can laugh, whatever the case. If you don't want us to be in panic, if you don't want to see Gattuso lose his job, because if we let all the rest of these teams get away, we ain't catching back, guys. I want to talk about uh, first place here. We ain't catching back. Last year, Steve, how many? We didn't lose a game for what? Over, uh, over from December to or was it early March? And we still managed to do what? Absolutely nothing. We didn't gain nothing. We didn't gain anything. So right now, I think it's patience into panicking the next three games these next three games i know we're not playing the big team but to me they're, they're crucial because uh we're not going to be able to catch it. that's according to okay uh steve do you agree is it is it, it, it it's patience with uh it's patience for milan supporters at this point uh, uh if i put my city hat on i see panic i see panic for a couple of reasons one uh the games that we the game that we lost against Napoli was something that should never have happened. We should have gone away with points of that and, and I think that would have changed a little bit of the mindset as well. You can't have a dip in form against a team like Kalia. The Luxembourg at the dude lounge, if I could quote you, Frank, was you know, uh I was okay with that. I was okay with the rotation. The panic part for me in that game is that every, like we, everybody that we slotted in as a rotational player, really didn't didn't really shine and really didn't say, oh, you know what? Uh, next game we can sit uh, Chanelobolu and we can uh, and we could start Castillejo. He, he didn't really do uh, uh, any wonders in that game. Uh, Bertolacci, we still don't know what position he wants to play or if he was able to find the shoes that uh, uh, there was no doubt that, that's that's my panic from the, the Europa League Luxembourg game and then Atalanta two times we had the lead and we could not kill the game this team has a mental lapse every single game and that's why I say panic if I put my Serie A hat on if I put my Milan hat on for all the fans I say patience because I don't think that uh, this, uh, like uh, Maldini and Leonardo, will be as patient, if you want to call it, as Fasone and Mirabelli were with Montella. Uh, I think it's going to be a hard decision, but at a certain point, if they want to make a staple statement and say, you know what, we are serious, Gattuso is our friend, he is a, comp a compatriot, a, a teammate, but this is now a business they will have to make that statement where if things do not go good, and like Vince, Vinny said, in these next three games, that trigger will be pulled 
and you will not see Gattuso on that bench. And when and Conte being there available, he's not going to be available forever. So I obviously we don't hope so. But yeah, next three games for us, guys, and we talk about it on uh, today's uh, yesterday's podcast. At Empoli, at Sassuolo, and then they've got the Europa League game at home against the Olympiacos, then hosting Kievo, uh, and then the Milan derby on October twenty first. Um, Richard, patience or panic for Milan? I'm kind of in the same boat. It's patience right now, but after the three games that you just mentioned, not including the Europa League, if they, if they don't win those three games in Serie A, uh, we're going to be further and further away from, from the top four and the top seven. Um, and at that point is when you're going to start panicking. Um, but right now, it's patience. Uh, the team has shown glimpses that they can do stuff. I mean, that incredible goal by Iguain this past weekend uh, was, just, was just a piece of that, but Again, if they don't start producing wins and start getting the three points that they need, it's going to become panic very quickly. And and like they said, uh, Gattuso won't be sticking around very much long if that's the case. I'm going to go with patience, and here's where I'm going to here's where I'm going to approach this. Um, Godfather went on Twitter, and I had to uh, respectfully disagree with him, um, and uh, said, you know. Through four games last year, we had nine points. Through four games this year, we have five points. Well, here's the four games last year. At Crotone, who were down to 10 men about five minutes of the game. Home again, home to Cagliari. Uh, at Lazio, which we were not ready for. And then home to Udinese, which was Nikola Kalinic's only good game in the Milan Cherdi score to brace that game. Um, so this year's first four games. At Napoli, home to Roma. At Cagliari, which is harder than people think because of going to anytime you go to one of the uh, island clubs, if you will, and in this case, Cagliari's in Sardinia, uh, it's the, the, the travel, the preparation, it's a little different. It's a little different than what players are used to. Um, Milan has found a way to be successful either drawing or winning games at Cagliari through the years, uh, but other teams have gone there and they've stumbled. Um, and then, you know, home against Atalanta. So, Three out of the four games against teams that uh, finished in the top seven, and we come up with five points. Now, those four fixtures last season, lost at Napoli, lost at home to Roma, um, beat Cagliari, lost at home to Atalanta. So you could look at it in, from that perspective and say, you know, measuring the fixtures this season against those when we played those fixtures last season were two points better. So Iguain makes a huge difference in all of that. I mean, the Roma game assisting Cutrone, uh, scoring the goal against Cagliari, uh, the, the wonderful goal he scored against Atalanta, which, spoiler alert, will be in the Serie A sit-down top five uh, this week. Um, you know, and that is certainly a, a clear difference. in and, and, and even he had enough of a presence to make Napoli concerned uh, to where Milan were able to score two goals. He didn't have a, he didn't have a huge hand in those goals. Um, but there's things that he'll do off the ball that, you know, make an opponent take notice. So... Having him is, is a big difference. We've, we've, we've harped a lot on this. I did on, 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 on your guys' pod last week. We've done it again. You know, he needs the service. I think that's starting to get a little better, and it's going to take some time. Um, but I think this team is better uh, than they were at this time last year. I think last year there was a whole bunch of new pieces that were trying to figure out how to play together. Uh, and I think it's going to be a matter of time. Now, they have to beat Empoli on Thursday. Um, 
they need to they need to kick the doors down and they need to get mad. And it's not going to be easy. Caputo and Lagomina are going to be a challenge for our defense. Um, and uh, and and they and they've proven to be a handful for everybody they play. Then they go to Sassuolo, and that's not going to be easy either. Those are two tougher than you think away matches that Milan have to come away with at least four points, if not get all six points. We can be very demanding and say all six points. I'll be happy. I'll be happy with four. I'll be happy with going through two consecutive away matches without a defeat. So uh, if I get a win and a draw out of it, I'll take it. Um, so, you know, all of that said, I think that uh, it's a matter of patience. Um, somebody needs to, on the technical staff, needs to get in Gattuso's ear about how to properly make substitutions um, and who needs to come in and who needs to come out. I think there have been a lot of head-scratching decisions from him in the second half of games. Uh, hopefully that's something that he can learn from and get better at, but I'd, I'd stay patient at this point for those for those particular reasons. Any any objection to anything I said, guys? No, I think I think we're 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 all speaking the exact same the, the exact same language, but in four different ways. And I think our love for the team we can see. But no, you made sense. Richard made sense. Steve made sense. President, no, but me have made sense as well. But no, I think we're all speaking the same language. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right, we're going to get into a we're going to get into a uh, Q and A on AC Milan. But before that, let's just we're going to take a very very fast look at what happened in Match Week Five. And all I'm going to ask you guys to do is give me a winner and a loser from Match Week Five. Could be a team, could be a player. I'm going to give you an example because I'll go first. My winner is Federico Di Francesco of Sassuolo, uh, coming off of getting elbowed, headbutted, and spat at by Douglas Costa. Uh, against Empoli, scoring uh, a, a nice little backhill goal uh, to seal three points for the Nero Verdi against Empoli, but also assisting on the first two goals, so involved in every goal. So he is my winner uh, from match week five. The loser is dad. <laughs> Eusebio Di Francesco, manager of Roma, uh, going to Bologna and not only allowing Bologna's first goal of the season, but losing to Bologna, a team that was in complete disarray under people in Zaghi. And uh, Roma proved to be the right tonic for the Rosa Blue. So my it, it runs into the Di Francesco family for me this week. Eusebio Di Francesco, or Federico Di Francesco is my winner. Eusebio Di Francesco is my loser. Vinny, winner and loser from match week five. Uh, so there's uh, not too many. Well, definitely not the Milan. But winner, I would say, um, I would probably tell you, honestly, the... The, the, the refereeing team that, that did the VAR for the Milan-Atalanta game, that actually went because they got everything right. Even though at the end we all thought it was offside, they got it right. So finally we see very good calls in this kind of so I'll have to commend them for, for that. And uh, loser? Uh, I don't know, man. For, for a loser, I'd probably... Uh, this whole... The loser, the whole... The, the, I would say the... Well, can, can I direct it towards, like, the Juventus fans in general complaining about... Being, you know, five wins and all nothing and complain about who's going to take uh, Twitter Twitter banter. Can I direct it towards that? Yeah, losers, sure. losers of the week or Juventinis that have nothing else better to do than to banter on Twitter about, oh, my God, there's going to be some, you know, Dybala and Ronaldo. There. There we go. I need to take so I can't always make fun of the snakes now, can I? <laughs> I, I like it. Good call there, Vinny. Uh, Richard. You thought I was going to. Richard, winner or loser? My winner is Parma. Um, there are two playmakers, Roberto Inglese, Bobby English, and Gervinho came to play, and they scored some nice goals. Um, because of these two players, this team is performing better than expected by most people. 
Um, so Parma have gotten several nice points already. They're up about seven points already so far this season. Um, and they're often running in the, in the race to escape relegation. So they're my winners for this week with a two nothing win over Cagliari. Um, losers for me are the Kievo fans who had to sit, who have to sit through this, to watch this team week in and week out. Uh, this team is pathetic. And, uh, again, they lost two nothing to Udinese. It's, it's unfortunate for them because, their team is going to go down this year, and there's nothing they can do about it. And they're just watching a shit show every week. The passion in your voice when you talk about Kievo is still there, by the way. Don't don't think I don't 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 think I don't notice it, <laughs> gentlemen. Richard has Richard Richard has a uh, first of all, Roberto Inglesias is man crush, um, and Kievo was his kind of closet crush team when Inglesi was there with Policia and. Uh, and and who else? Uh, you know, just a couple of seasons ago, you just he, he the, the vocal inflections from him you can were, were obvious whenever whenever he got to talk Kievo uh, when when those guys were playing together. You guys notice that? I saw I saw yeah. that little break in his voice over there, and he's a he's a, a good a handsome man in place, a very yeah. handsome man. You know? <laughs> I guess you could crush on worse people, I guess, right, Steve? Uh, winner and loser for you from match week five. Uh, winner Keza scores a goal, goes and see his brother. Uh, I like nice it. I like it. And uh, father in the stands. Uh, I don't want. I didn't want to pick the the most obvious one, but uh, uh, loser uh, for anybody who's heard the podcast is Bakayokoko. <laughs> <laughs> There's an extra KO in there. Bakayokoko. <laughs> Bakayokoko. Decided to take a jog on a 3v2 in a Serie A professional game and was caught by Christian Zapata's cousin, Duvan, and probably cost us three points. Let's not forget, the under, let's not forget how he underhit that pass to Suzo. <clears throat> a lot of people wanted to rail Suzo on that counterattack, and I said, wait a second, did you see that pass? What else is he supposed to do? <clears throat> he, has, so. he, he has lead feet. It's a couple of times he come, he gets subbed in by Gattuso, and you, you touched on it before. The Bakayoko Koko substitution cannot be made anymore. That was two two extra KOs on that one. Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it? Is there more KOs for every time you're? For, the more frustrated, the more KOs you throw in there. More frustrated, the more KOs. <laughs> okay excellent stuff so those are our winners and losers for Serie A match week five tell us your winners and losers at Serie A sit down on twitter or on instagram richard is going to get us started on our Serie A or on ac milan q a yeah so we have milanisti on here might as well start talking about milan right um let's just start it off right away hot and heavy um, Milan's defense have been much to be, uh, they've been poor. Let's just say that they've been giving up goals, uh, giving up leads. Um, what is the problem with their defense? And a lot of, a lot of people want to point to first Muzakio, but a lot of people on Twitter sphere are actually pointing the finger at the captain, Romagnoli. What do you guys think is the actual problem with the, with the center back pairing with Milan allowing all these goals? Let's go with, uh, let's go with Vinny first. Um, I don't see, uh, I don't know why people are talking about the Romagnoli and Musacchio, but I think it's been too many times caught, uh, caught off guard, caught on the counterattack and maybe those wingers leaving them to try. <clears throat> so, uh, we were talking about this yesterday is like, you need to make a decision defense. Do you want to have that defense? You want to protect your lead and, and park the bus or do you want to keep on attacking? 
Because if you do want to keep on attacking, you need to bring back to go to go to maybe a four, a four three, <clears throat> four two three one to keep compact in five midfields. But I don't, I don't, I think Muzaku has been playing well for Muzaku. He's been playing solid. He hasn't done that bad. But no, I wouldn't play. I wouldn't put the blame at all on those two, especially that uh, we still have. You know, put yourself in uh, Muzaku's shoes. You know, Scalvara is there. He's not going to take a spot, but. I think it's been the lack of support and people tracking back uh, leading up to these goals, according to me. Steve? Guys, I've been saying this for the longest time. Uh, You're going to fix Milan's defensive issues once they realize that they need to fix their midfield issues. You know, Juventus has, has, has had a stellar defensive record uh, Barzaglia, Bonucci, Chiellini being that trio there, they're a product of the success of their dominating midfield. Uh, you can you can have whatever centre-back pairing you want. Uh, if you're constantly getting beat down the middle, you're leaving those two centre-backs on an island. No one can help them. Uh, Donnarumma has bailed us out a couple of times, or it could even be worse. Uh, if you don't want to talk about the midfield, then you got to look at the backs. Uh, Calabria hasn't had the best uh, start to the season. Uh, Ricardo Rodriguez always uh, a little bit uh, limited defensively. Uh, again, when when you're constantly getting attacked by everywhere, by every everyone, and from everywhere, you can't look at the two center backs being the problem. At a certain point, you got to look at it from a bird's eye view. And see where they're getting, where they're getting beat by. And if you if you take a look at all our games, it's rarely a mistake that's being made by uh, either one of the center backs that causes a goal. It's it's just by getting beat and causing some sort of panic in that defensive four where uh, we lose a man or uh, uh, we horribly defend a, a stupid corner kick in the 95th minute to make Atalanta steal a point. That's why we can't keep clean sheet. Okay. How about you, Frank? What's your thought on this? <clears throat> I, 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 I think it's harsh on the center backs. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, we covered this on the Milan Weekly Pod last week. Uh, in the Calgary game in particular, uh, they got overwhelmed with numbers because the midfield weren't picking anybody up. That's how Joao Pedro scored his goal. That's how Nicola Borella nearly scored when he hit the post. And... On, in, in the case of the Atalanta game, Calabria simply just got caught napping. You got to know where you are, and you got to know who's near you. And that's Papu Gomez trying to cut in for a goal. You got to beat him to that. Whatever you can to beat him to that spot. Read what he's doing. Um, the uh, second goal is the product of again midfielders not picking people up in a set piece situation. Our corner defending is absolutely wretched. Wretched. We should have given up two goals on corners in the first half to Atalanta. Um, I'll give you a hot take. If Duvan Zapata plays all 90 minutes, we probably lose. Um, he was physically a handful. He was a problem for, he was a problem for the center backs. Um, you know, his movement, his commitment, and, you know, his recovery on the counterattack notwithstanding, uh, there was a, a change in the dynamic of the game when he was introduced to start the second half. When he came on, I went to Twitter and I said, this could be a problem. Um, and this is exactly why we needed to try to finish you know, the two or three chances that we had in the first half. So that's where I, you know, that's where I take, that's where I take it. I think the, the, the midfield needs to be 
you know, a little more rigid. They need to not be so porous and allowing people through. Um, we need people to, to stop switching off so much, uh, you know, defensively. And, and the corner defending has just got to be better. Um, it just got to be better. Too many men, too many open men. Um, you know, too many guys went, you know, too many balls in the air getting lost and then not getting to the second ball either. There's a huge problem with this Milan team at the moment. So those are some of the, those are a lot of the things that I attribute to uh, the defensive issues. And I think it's a little harsh to just pin it all on, on Romagnoli and, and Musacchio and, and, and that partnership. So, um, next question. Um, Hakan Chalhan, Hakan Chalhanolu, uh, last season, especially in the second half when Reno Gattuso, it was evident that he was one of the inspired players when Gattuso took over Milan, uh, turned in some pretty good performances, helped Milan, helped steer Milan to some important results to help work their way back into the top six. Uh, this season, the start has been a little bit indifferent. Uh, Steve, what's going on with Hakan Chalhanolu and what, what, what can he do to improve? Uh, Steve, can you please correct him on the, the pronunciation of the name? Chanoglu. Thank you. Go ahead. Chan, is it what? Chan, Chanoglu? <laughs> I have no a, idea, Frank. It's the C pronunciation. It's, it's a cha, is it Chow? It's Chalanolu. It Chal- Chalanolu. No, we were just, I was just making fun because Steve gets his own way how to pronounce. Sorry, that was me trying to be funny. Go ahead, Steve. Sorry. Well, that's fine. <laughs> Chichu Crivello. <laughs> uh, Hakan uh, this year it's been a little bit strange uh, supposed to miss that uh, that Genoa match there that got rescheduled uh, then ended up being uh, the Napoli game uh, so for him really started uh, a little bit strangely this uh, the, the, this this campaign uh, I think it's uh, it's a bit of pressure uh maybe uh, last year uh, he overdelivered and uh, there wasn't that uh, prima punta you know there wasn't that uh, that uh, that number 9 that striker who was constantly demanding the ball and he was a little bit more uh, uh free to roam the field uh now he has a humongous number 9 there who's asking for the ball all the time so uh could it be a little bit of getting used to playing with Higuaín uh it has to be a little bit of a confidence issue too. Uh, right now, he needs to provide some sort of service for Iguain uh, and also uh, be able to to be uh, offensively productive for this team because we cannot rely on only goals from Iguain. We need some secondary scoring, and I think it's a bit of the pressure is building for the, the Turkish international. Vinny, your take on uh, Ch- uh, Chalhanolu up to this point? Uh, the uh, bit of a disappointing start to the season. What's he got? What's he, what's he got to do to turn it around? I'm I'm with Steve on this one. I think it's uh, getting to getting used to trying, you know, playing with a, a true number nine, uh, not uh, getting used to like you know <clears throat> we're not expecting that many goals from you maybe this season here. Uh, actually, giving service to somebody that could score. Hey, you got to get used to something like that, right? But. Uh, I honestly, this is definitely, this would be the least of my worries for me. I think it's just de- definitely an adjusting time. Just the way Suso, guys, Suso too. Okay, he had a great pass the last game, but you need that adjusting time. And uh, I think it's just, it definitely just a question of time, getting used to playing with a true striker and a world-class striker like uh, Gonzalo. Richard. Um, 
you know, Hakanchalanolo has never really had a, a a striker that he's had to work with in the past, like Iguain. Um, he's had Callan Hitch, and no disrespect to Stefan Kiesling, but he is no uh, Iguain. So he's got to get used to a guy who's going to be in the right position at the right time and feeding him the balls, like these guys are saying. Um, he just needs to work on his game. His defensive game is the best out of all the attacking players on the team. Um, you'd almost want to see him in the midfield because guys like Bonaventura aren't aren't coming back enough to help out the defense. Um, and Chalanolo is an, as a left winger. So that part of the game is good for him. He's got the hustle. He just needs to relax and worry about his own game and worry about just passing it and not turn like you like the like like you guys are just saying. He, he doesn't have to score that many goals this year. He's got to set up Iguain. And he, it was a passing ability that he has. Uh, once he figures it out and figures out the timing with Iguain, I think there's going to be, uh, between him and Suzo, there's going to be a magical duo with Iguain. Absolutely. So it'll come. Excellent. Excellent. You got another one? I guess. No. Um, yeah. No. So right now, the, the main midfield seems to be Cassier, Bilia, and Bonaventura. Um, the team has at times done very well, you know, to, to, to get the attack going, get the possession, but a lot of the problems, as we just mentioned, aforementioned, is defensively they're not helping out as much. Bilia is not making the tackles. Kessier is running himself ragged. Bonaventura is nowhere to be seen in the defensive end. In your ideal world, what needs to happen for this midfield to start controlling games, both offensively and defensively, and whom will be in that midfield if you had the choice? Let's go with you, Frank. <sighs> um, this is a this is an interesting one. I, I I was on with these guys last week, and I said I think Atuso is married to this four three three, and it's almost an imitation of Saudi's four three three functionally, where Bilia is the Jorginho, where Bonaventura is the Hamsik, and and Kessie is the Allen. Um, although from a characteristic standpoint. They they can't those three can't be any different than the than the Napoli three. Um, you might have some close comparisons between Allen and Kessie. Kessie might be a better attacker. Uh, I I think you need Kessie to be in that midfield and you need to be part of that equation. I don't think that we have the personnel to play a four two three one where two two players can protect the the back four. Uh, I think Bielia likes being in a regista role. I don't think he'd be comfortable, you know, playing on, you know, one side and having a guy to his left or if he's on the left and having a guy to his right. So, you know, you know, working with the person we have, I think we're, you know, I think we're, we're, we're stuck with the three that we've got and that's got to be our main midfield going forward. Um, you know, Bakayoko Koko 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 has not done it yet. Uh, <laughs> He gets it, guys. I'm catching on, Steve. I'm catching on. <laughs> um, you know, he hasn't shown it yet. I've, I've, I've mentioned I really like Bertolacci, but I he had a really weird game on Thursday. Um, you know, and uh, Maori was decent, but he was decent against guys that would otherwise be bagging groceries and flipping burgers, and no disrespect to people who bag groceries and flip burgers for a living. Um, you know, that's, uh, you know, so I, I, I've not seen Maori in a real competitive environment against the Serie A team. So I don't know what I have with him. 
so I think we've got the three that we have, and we're just going to have to let them continue to have some continuity. I would prefer Bonaventura as a winger, but they want Chalhanolu to play there. Um, and then we find another midfielder to, to sit in that spot. But, you know, this is the hand we're dealt, and, and we got to just – I think at this point we just got to hope that there's some continuity, that they have a better understanding um, of what happens when they're failing to track people defensively and what Musacchio and Romagnoli have to deal with in particular, um, and that they, that, that it eventually clicks and that they all, you know, collectively find some form together. Steve. I have to agree, uh, with Frank. I think, uh, Gattuso's <laughs> married to the four, three, three. Uh, I don't know if tactically he, uh, he wants to get away from something that he's very comfortable with. Um, what I found strange there, guys, and look, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they're watching the game against Atalanta. You know, they, they were pressing Atalanta with Higuain, and and then all of a sudden you would see Kessie almost right next to Higuain. I didn't yeah. understand that pressing scheme where you would, you would make one of those uh, central midfielders do all that running when you had another two guys up there. Uh, I don't know if he was scared to lose the flank, but I found that as the game wore on, we were losing the midfield because they were getting past that pressing of Kessie and, and Higuain. Uh, it's just something that popped into my head, to be very honest with you, and I found it really strange. If he wants to play that 4-3-3, he can't, he can't imagine that Kessie could do that all game, right? And And the other two wingers have to have to play their part as well. I just find with the the four three three, I find that we're spread out too easily. Uh, they get biased uh, quite easily, and then for us to 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 build a play, it takes us it takes us almost double those passes to get into the offensive zone. And unfortunately, in the final third, they have a mental lapse, and that final ball is terrible. Uh, either miss hit, over hit. Uh, to the wrong person, no imagination. Uh, against Atalanta was a bit better. We did get chances, but then we couldn't score. So it's like a comedy of things that are just working against. I don't even think it's formation at that point. I think it's a lot to do with mentality. If I'm Gattuso, sometimes I would switch back to a 4-4-2 old-style soccer and let's go. I like it, Steve. I like it. I'm uh, Honestly, guys, <clears throat> let's look at it this way. Uh, you were mentioning Maori. Honestly, I didn't mind seeing Maori against uh, against that team. And even during the the uh, the U.S. Uh, tournament, at least he's got some legs. At least he's trying. So at this point, you got nothing else to 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 lose. But let's look at this. Conti's coming back. Calabria is there. Rodriguez is there. Laxalt is there. Uh, why don't we just like now? You need to do something because you're not going to be able to. I don't know, like convert one of these guys. Can Conti play midfield? Would you be able to do a 3-5-2, a 3-5-1-1? I don't know. But when he comes back, you can't afford to have a Conti just the way we can't afford. Well, once he gets uh, once he gets really used to the system, Caldera, you're not going to pay a guy Caldera or a guy like Conti and let, make them ride the bench. And let us not forget Capitan Futuro. Utility man, Fabio Borini. We could, he could probably do it. He couldn't even take a corner. <laughs> no, but honestly, guys, I think it's... Uh, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of shuffling, and if he doesn't, if he doesn't want to change formations, well, 
He's going to have to do a la Pirlo. And, you know, uh, where did he go? Pirlo to become a regista. It was Ancelotti that moved him from one position to the other one. But we don't have, we obviously don't have those players. But something's got to give. Or you give up the formation. Or you say, these are players that I have. Let me make the best of what I got. You know what? If You know what Catuso could do for a substitution? To, to just real quick before I get into my next topic. And then we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to wrapping this up here soon. But if you got a late lead. Um, how about Diego Lexelt for Chalhanolu and have him play a little more withdrawn on that left side and let him work with, you know, let him work with Rodriguez. And then, you know, you got to think more four, five, one. I mean, he stuck with, he, 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 he stuck with his formation with a two, one lead and he made some really shocking substitutions. Everyone's talking about, you're going to put in Bakayoko, take out Chalhanolu. And, and move Bonaventura up. No, no, that wasn't the problem. You know, get Luxelt, who's a, a, a def, who, you know, and I get Chalhanolu has a lot of you know, commitment and can win balls and things like that. Or put Luxelt in for, for Suzo and move Chalhanolu over to the right and, and have him be, you know, work as a right midfielder and, and, and do his tackling. Because I don't find Suzo to be a, 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 a much of a tackler and a ball winner. You know, Luxelt at least has those qualities to him. And then you let him and Rodriguez work together and, and, and the left flank is sorted. Um, you know, so that's, that, that's another way that they can do it. And I'm surprised with a lead, he didn't look at something like that. So, um, that's just another thing. I mean, it's not relative to talking about the midfield, but these are just some things that I think he's not, he's not catching that, uh, that might be helpful to, to help Milan avoid dropping these points going forward. So, but then, but some of it is to your point, Vinny, the identity, and you started touching on that. You guys started touching on that on your podcast. What were Milan trying to do with a 2-1 lead? Were they going for a third or were they trying to protect what they had? It was judging the 11 out there. It was hard to tell what they really were trying to do. So, um, you know, a lot of things that need to be solved here. But let's, 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 let's end with something happy, guys. How's that? Yes. You know, we're, when, we're, I coach, when I coach my soccer teams, I coach my son's team. We do a training session. We end with a goal. Okay? We end with a goal. So, Let's let's have some fun with this. We're going to try to do this really quick, and this is going to be my last question with AC Milan. We're all we all have a very lengthy history of watching AC Milan. Okay, I want the four of us to collaborate and pick our all-time AC Milan eleven from the time we were Milan fans. We can't go back to uh, the Johnny Rivera. Uh, Steve, maybe you can. Um, uh, <laughs> or Altafini. Or the uh, the or the Swedes, uh, they're or the Swedes. Yeah, yeah, they're out. Okay, you can only go from when from when you started, when you were a first a Milan fan onward, and we'll pick our favorite. We'll pick we'll pick our favorite eleven out of that. All right. So let's start with goalkeeper. You don't have to give an explanation if you don't want to, but I'm curious to get what everybody's take is on this. So goalkeeper Vinny, I'll start with you. Uh, gotta go with Dita. Okay. Steve. Dita. Dita for Steve. Richard. Goalkeeper? Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, Dita. Dita. Okay, so it's going to be Dita for our overall collective, but I'm going, to, I'm going to say because when I did the Pieces of Me podcast a couple of years ago and you had to pick the retired, you know, your, your all-retired 11, I picked this guy, Sebastiano Rossi, um, for me. Uh, Dita made me cringe, guys. <laughs> he had some... He had some really, but he won the big games. He won the big. He games. did. So did Sebastiano Rossi. He won some big games, and he had the respect of. Uh, he had the re- not saying that Dita didn't, but Sebastiano Rossi had the respect of some of those guys. So, 
Um, the simple things look hard, and the hard saves look easy. There we go. Okay. Okay. There you go. That's 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 Dita in a nutshell. Okay. Um, all right. Let's go to right back, Vinny. Uh, sorry, I was uh, phased out over there. Right back, back Vinny. Maldini. Right back. Maldini. Sorry. He played left back. Oh, before that. So right back, I would have to go for. Here, let's do this. Just as, just in the sake of time, left back, we're all going to say Maldini, right? Yeah, yeah obviously. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Center nobody box. Wants, but... uh, nobody wants uh, Kevin Constant or uh, no. Jamel, Jamel Mezba. Irby Emanuelson. Irby Emanuelson. Okay, so center backs, center backs we got. Uh, let's, go to right, let's go to right, right back. Let's go to right back first, Vinny. Right back, okay. So if somebody go go before me. I wasn't expecting this question. We are, Kafu. 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 I'm with Kafu. you. I got Kafu. Kafu is good. Kafu. Okay. So we all we're unanimous on Kafu. We're unanimous on Maldini. Vinny, your two center backs. Barese and uh, I would have to go with uh, Barese. I can't say Thiago Silva. Barese and uh, Steve. I'll leave it up to you because I'm wasting time here. Nesta. Nesta, yeah. Gucci Anyewu. No, I'm just kidding. Barese and Nesta for sure. I've got Barese and Nesta as well. Okay, so across the back, we're pretty, uh, we're unanimous. Okay, goalkeeper, I was the only one who disagreed, but the collective, it's Dida. Um, so, okay, so Barese and Nesta. All right, so we're going to do, for the midfield, we're going to do two central midfielders and we're going to do two attacking midfielders. Let's start with the two central midfielders first, Vinny. Pirlo and Seedorf. Pirlo and Seedorf. Okay. Uh, Steve. I would have to go with Marcel Desailly. Oh, Marcel. Nice. Ooh. And was, I'll put Pirlo in another position, but I'll I'll, I'll slot uh, Albertini there. Oh, the I like it. I like nice. Albertini. The man who was Pirlo before Pirlo was Pirlo. Uh, Richard. Uh, let's go Pirlo and Gattuso. <laughs> not, the, not the manager, the player. Not the manager, the player. player. <laughs> I, I'm going. Need some green on the team. I'm with Richard. I'm going Pirlo and Gattuso, the player. The player. So. Okay. Um, all right. So we have picked. Uh, let's see. So looking at that, we've got a majority of Pirlo and Gattuso in midfield with some shouts for Desai, Clarence Seedorf, and Demetrio Albertini. Can't go wrong with any of these guys, guys. Um, all right. So to the attacking midfielders, wide guys, Trequatistas, uh, attacking midfielders, any two will do. Vinny, who are yours? Uh, Kaka and uh, this is hard. I'm trying to go by memories or Kaka and Steve. Share. A striker. We were talking about attacking midfielders. I'll give you mine. I'm going to go Kaka and Savicevic. Uh, Savicevic, see. Uh, okay, so I'll go with, uh, for memories, Boban. Boban was attacking midfielder. Kaka and Boban. Can't go wrong with Boban. What a player. Uh, Steve. I would go uh, Kaka and uh, Ricardo Oliveira. <laughs> <laughs> I would go uh, Kaka Savicevic or Kaka Boban. I'm okay with that. 
And what a character Boban on uh, Sports uh, Sports Italico there. I love him. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't mince words. No, uh, definitely not. Okay, Richard, how about you? Oh, uh, you got you got to say Boban, so I'm just gonna change it up. I'll say Kaka and Seedorf. Oh, you're gonna make Seedorf an attacking midfielder, huh? Yeah, I like it. Uh, I mean, got Kaká and Savicevic with honorable honorable mentions to Boban and Sadorf then. Uh, okay, so our forwards, two of them. Vinny. Super people for sure. Oh, okay. And, uh, um, I would have to say, uh, we didn't play enough to say Ronaldo. Let's see. Super people. Can't think of anybody right now. For me, it's Sheva, Shevchenko. And I wouldn't. I, I'm not allowed to see Van Basten because I didn't see enough of him play. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the other one, to be very honest, you, I would pick the Black Panther, George Weah. Ooh. Nice. Did we see yeah. enough of George Weah? I saw George Weah. I don't know about you, but I saw. George I saw. Weah. I'm older than you. I, I had George. a picture of him on my agenda in high school. So that, no, I what? saw. I saw George Weah. I don't have any problem with that. So, but mine are uh, Sheva and Van Basten. I did see enough of Van Basten, so I, I can put him in there. So, Vinny, who's your other one besides Nzagi? Uh, well, now I think I would have to go with uh, Sheva. Sheva and, okay. Sheva and Super People. Or can Sheva I go with onside people and offside people? That could be two people, no? <laughs> <laughs> people, was, people was born in an offside position. <laughs> so, Richard. Uh, oh, I like that George Weah shout, but I'm going to go Sheva. And I'm gonna go. Ooh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put Baggio in that position, and uh, with an honorable mention to Bierhoff. Bierhoff. You, you always gotta sneak the damn Germans in there, don't you? <laughs> I like the I like them, man. Okay. All right. So we've got Sheva, and then it's a pretty much a fight for the second striker. That's great. <laughs> I think considering the. Um, uh, the level of reverence uh, does does Weya just barely get in over uh, Inzaghi, Baggio, and Van Basten? He's president of a country. He must be. And he played. He played like two weeks ago, right? So he played like seven yeah. minutes. Yeah, something like that. Can use him. Could have him. Could, could have him give Iguain a rest until Katroni heals up, right? There you go. <laughs> so, do we agree with maybe Weya just inching ahead based on? Uh, some of the talk about him, even though we we all each picked a second a different second striker. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So. By the way, before, Frank, next time next time you put us on the spot because these are like they would take us me would take me like a day to come up with them. Why don't we come up with the worst players? We would have come up with us two starting elevens for the worst players. <laughs> <laughs> I gave mine on Twitter and I didn't even have a formation. I just said these eleven guys they all suck. I don't care what position they played. So Mezba, Constant, uh, Oliveira. Uh, uh, Zielko Kalic is the goalkeeper. Um, uh, Paletta, <laughs> so, uh, hang in there. So that's five, right? Hairless uh, Paletta or with hair? Both. Um, both. they can take up two spots. Uh, but, uh, but no, we could certainly go that way. But okay, so our all time Milan team, in a nutshell, the collective is we all have different opinions, but Dida and goal, back four of Cafu, Baresi, Nesta, Maldini. Midfield of Pirlo and Gattuso. Uh, uh, attacking midfield of Kaká and Savicevic. Strikers are Shevchenko and George Weah. And a substitutes bench of Roberto Baggio, Marco Van Basten, Pipo Inzaghi, Clarence Seedorf, uh, Zvonimir Boban, 
Dimitro Albertini and Marcel Desai. And Sebastiano Rossi is the uh, backup goalkeeper. So pretty good, boys. And with that, we're going to put in it. Pretty, with that, we are finally going to put a bow on this edition of the City. I sit down. Milan Weekly Pod, gentlemen. Floor is yours. Plug away. Uh, well now we have the Instagram thing, Tigamajigi, with Milan Weekly Pod on Twitter. Uh, Radio Rossonera, every single Tuesday, we drop our uh, podcast to our millions and millions of listeners. What else do we have on social media? Facebook, obviously. Facebook. And everything, uh, both, both the handle is Milan Weekly Pod. Across all platforms. It would be nice to keep it simple for everybody. And thank you very much for having us. Uh, I was uh, Frank and Richard, great. Thank you very much for having us. It was a fantastic uh, chat about uh, Calcio, Milan, the ups and downs. It was, it was, I love podcasts. They're the best. Even though I answered right back to Maldini, that's how much I'm, I was in the days over there. Now he's got me. Stay, um, you guys have that on. <laughs> right back, Maldini. Good time. Yes. You guys, you guys, uh, you guys promised me one thing though, because you got the Twitter machine. You, you got it on your future Milan Weekly Pods. It's got to be called the Instagram thing of a jiggy. Okay. After, after. I like that. See, there we go. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. You geez. just established that here on the Serie A set down. You use that going forward for your, for your Milan Weekly Pod. So, uh, you know, so, uh, so, so, so no doubt about it. And yeah, we, 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 are obviously going to slant toward Milan in our podcast because Richard and I are Milan supporters, but we do our best to keep Serie A sit down as balanced as possible. It was great to actually do a podcast that put a little more focus on AC Milan than normal uh, here on Serie A sit down uh, and, and, and have a chance to uh, bring you guys on board. So let's, uh, you know, let's do this again real soon. Um, uh, you know, definitely enjoyed, uh, definitely enjoyed having you guys on. And again, thank you for having me on the Milan weekly pod. Last week I had a blast. Uh, it was a lot of it was a lot of fun. Uh, Richard, plug away. You can find me at r underscore Carmen on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, yeah, not plugging anything else. Just uh, trying to find some sleep anywhere I can. Uh, I'm at ftc underscore twenty one. Um, my fearless five for this week. I'll just do that really fast. Lock of the week: Juve two, Bologna nil. Uh, Napoli will beat Parma two one. Roma will beat Rosanone 3-1. Sassuolo will go on the road and beat Spal 2-1. And my shock of the week, I'm picking Cagliari to beat Sampdoria 2-1. Those are games that are taking place on Wednesday and Thursday this week. We're recording it on Tuesday. Won't have time to get a video out. Uh, Apologies to those who might have invested in my fearless picks last week. Um, I hope you're not looking for me. Uh, (laughs) I only got one out of five right. Uh, But on the season, I've got 12 out of 20 right. So if you've invested in all of them, you're still ahead. So let's see if I can make, let's see, you know, let's see how you do there. Um, at FTC underscore 21 on Twitter. Serie sit down. We have our own channel on YouTube uh, videos, including my fearless five fix goals of the week. Uh, we'll probably come up with some other content here soon. Um, also, uh, you can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. We have our own page there. So please go and subscribe. Uh, and at Serie sit down on Twitter and the Instagram thingamajiggy where you can uh, offer some insight or you can offer some input on what you'd like to hear on future podcasts here at the City I Sit Down. So, again, special thanks to Steve and Vinny from the Milan Weekly Pod. And uh, for Richard, I'm Frank. Thank you for listening. And as always, be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.